Hi there, friends. We've been talking about the Bible for about three sessions now. We've been looking at the Bible. Did you ever put together a large puzzle? Well, if you do, and if you're like me, then you first find the corner pieces. There are only four of them, but I start there. And then we sort the straight edges. And we try to put all of that together so that we can get the outer boundaries of the puzzle. And when all of that is done, then maybe we put sections together and colors together and kind of place them near the spot uh, within the boundaries where we think they might go. And I do all of that by studying the picture on the box. And so we keep looking at the picture on the box that shows the finished puzzle and we keep sorting and we keep looking and placing and matching until the puzzle is complete. And when it's complete, it looks like the picture on the box, only it's bigger and better. But at the same time, I've engaged with it. I've handled it. I've touched it and it's all fitted together. That's kind of how we're studying the Bible. Um, we've found the corners by establishing that God's, that the Bible is God's personal word to us and it, it is inspired or God breathed. It's infallible and inerrant, which means that it has no errors. And we know that it's not only a book of history, but it accurately reveals history. It's not a book of archaeology, but it reveals archaeology. Not a book of science, but it affirms science. It's not a medical book, but it gives us lots of information about how to be healthy. It is an instruction manual for life, but primarily it is a manual on how to get to heaven and spend eternity there. That's something that needs to concern all of us. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to mankind. It's his very word, his own very self-revelation. The living God allows himself to be known. If he didn't allow himself to be known, we'd never know him. We can't find him on our own. We wouldn't even know where to look. So he allows himself to be known. In fact, he wants us to know him and he wants us to know him very well. He wanted that, that so very much, he wanted us to know him well so very much that after hundreds of years of revealing himself and giving himself names that would reveal his character and revealing himself to people in various circumstances and self-disclosing himself in various ways and he's been teaching and telling all through these pages for thousands of years, but then he went a step further. He went a big step. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to the Gospel of John? Beginning in John chapter 1, he begins with, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now that's, the, that's a phrase taken out of the very, very first verse in the Bible where it says, in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. So that in the beginning is common with the first verse in John and the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, the original beginning of everything. 
the, the, how can we think about that? The original beginning of everything that exists. There was a time when it started, when everything that exists came into existence, the Word already was. The Word already was. Let me, let me say it again. In the beginning, when God created everything, when everything was created, the Word already was. The Word existed before anything else existed. In the beginning, the Word already existed. You got that? Plant that. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Now see what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Two things. There was God, and the Word was with Him. Now, commentators tell us that the original language here means that the Word was face to face with God. He was equal with God. He was not above Him. He was not under Him. But He was on a level of equality, having personal equal communion with the eternal God. God and the Word. They're there together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we learned that when everything was created, the Word already existed eternally. In that eternal existence, the Word was equal to God. In fact, the Word was God. What about that term, Word? Uh, in the Greek, it's a word, logos, L-O-G-O-S, and it's a very rich word. Um, it embodies the truths of the power of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the purpose of God, the design of God, the plan of God. That word, logos, is, is an embodiment of all that God is. It's like the whole plan, the whole picture. Now, look at verse 2 there in John 1. He was in the beginning with God. <clears throat> now, one thing that's interesting here is that we go <clears throat> from the word word, from the word to it being he. So, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. So what do we know about the Word? He, we know that the Word was in the beginning with God. He was already there before God spoke creation. He was equal with God. So the Word is eternal, is eternal. Look at verse 3. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. We'll read it again. All things came into being by the Word, Him, and apart from Him, the Word, nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing, some, some translations say, without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Word created the Word created. Everything that was made was made by the Word that we know to be a Him. 
All things were made by him. You see that. All things came into being by him in this translation. Without him was not anything made that was made. The word is God. We learned that in verse 1. So the Logos is a powerful force. Verse 4. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. All life originates in the word. All life originates in the word. Mankind is born spiritually dead and spiritually blind. The word is the remedy for both of those things. The word is the remedy for our spiritual blindness and for our spiritual deadness. The life we need is in the word and this life becomes the light that we need. Life and life go together. There's a relationship between life and light. You have to have life before you have sight. You have to have light, life. You have to have life before you can see. Um, in John chapter 3 and verse 3, uh, let me just read that to you. John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless he's alive, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So life, spiritual life and spiritual light go together. So the life we need is in the word and this life becomes the light we need. Um, the living word of God gives life that gives the ability to see spiritual reality. The light that he gives us, the life that he gives us, makes us able to see the light of his spiritual reality. Verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overpower it. Some translations say could not comprehend it. I think literally it means it says it cannot overpower it. The darkness could not extinguish the light. What does that mean? Couldn't put it out. The darkness couldn't put it out. <clears throat> this is an important statement. The living word is the living God, fully expressed in the darkness. The living word is the living God, fully expressed in the darkness. Well, where is the darkness? What's it talking about? The darkness is the world of mankind. The darkness is the world that we live in. It is dark because it is sinful and separated from God. Lifeless, blind. It is separated from light and life. Darkness. And notice that darkness cannot extinguish light. Think about that for a minute. It's fascinating. Darkness can never, ever extinguish light. The darkest night cannot extinguish the smallest spark or the smallest candle. Cannot happen. Darkness can never overcome light. So what do we know about the Word at this point from the Apostle John? We know that the Word is eternal. We know that the Word is equal with God. We know that the Word was and is God. We know that the Word created everything. We know that the Word is revealed. 
we know that the word is a him. And so now look at verse 6. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is a reference to John the Baptist. Now after 400 years, when God had not spoken, then there came a voice crying in the wilderness. He came into the world for one reason. John the Baptist, the purpose of John the Baptist's life was to announce and point out Messiah. He came to bear witness. Look there at verse 7. He came for a witness that he came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. So he came to give testimony of the light. Look at verse 8. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. Now, Lots of people identify John the Baptist as the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's in the New Testament, but he was the voice that spoke, the first voice that spoke. He was a part of what was speaking after that 400 years of silence between the Testaments. So he came that through his testimony, people might believe and receive the light. The New Testament tells us at that time that John, was, John the Baptist was the greatest man who had ever lived. That's fascinating and probably a, another whole lesson in itself. But he said, this man that the Bible says at that point in time was the greatest man who had ever lived, and I think um, Jesus is going to override that, you know, when he comes on the scene. But he was at that, at that time, he was the greatest man that had ever lived, and he said that the true light was coming into the world. So if he was the greatest man that ever lived, you'd think you can believe what he says. I think that's the point here. And he says, the light has come into the world, and it is the true light. Not just a flickering candle, not some imitation. The true light, why? So that all might believe what John the Baptist said. And to believe means to count it to be true. It means I can rest on it. I count it as truth. I acknowledge it as truth. I act on it as truth. And so John the Baptist knew that he himself was not the light. He said, I'm not that light. But he was the one to point out the light and to announce it. Well, why would light need to be announced? If I come into this room you don't have to tell me that the lights are on. I don't need an announcement when I walk in here saying, Sharon, the lights are on in this room. They're there. I'm going to know it. Light doesn't need to be announced. But when might I need for light to be announced? When might somebody need to tell me that the light is on? When I can't see it. When I don't know. When I'm blind. And so... In blindness, in the blindness of the world, John is announcing the light of the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, The God of this world, that would be Satan, has blinded the minds of those that believe not, has blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Satan doesn't want us to know it. Satan wants us to be blind. He doesn't want us to know the truth. So a world that is in darkness with no life has to be told 
that the light has come, that the light is turned on, that it has been provided. And so John the Baptist was sent to announce that. Look in verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. John says, this light is the genuine light. It's the real thing. The greatest of all the Old Testament prophets verified it. The greatest man to ever live verified it. And he said, this is the genuine light. This is the true light. This is the light that shatters the darkness that's going to, that, that's available to give light to everyone. The light has come into the darkness. It is an exclusive light. There is no other light like it. The only light. So in some way, this light is so far reaching and so comprehensive and darkness dispelling that every soul is affected by it in one way or another. It's available. It's here. The light and the life of the living word is available to every person in the world. Every person in the world. He came to light every person. God revealed himself enough to every person to hold us accountable. Every person has had some exposure to the fact that light has come. This light has come. But, verse 10, he, the light, the word, was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came unto his own and those who were his own did not receive him. He came unto his own. His own what? His own everything. What did verse tell us? Verse 1 tell us. He created everything. The world is his. The universe is his. He owns everything. And his own, the world and the people that he's created, did not receive him. Received him not. In fact, darkness even tried to put out the light but darkness can't put out light. But it tried. Darkness wanted to extinguish the light, make it go away. So the darkness saw it. The darkness was aware of it. It just refused to let the light have any effect on it. It refused a relationship with the light that had come. But God's plan was not thwarted. Look at verse 12. Another but, as many as received him, the light, the word, to him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. What does it mean to believe on his name? It means to believe on all that he is. His name represents all all that he is, all that he said, all that he's done, all of his character, all that he is. And so those who received him said yes to all that he is. To them, 
those to whom those who said yes to him, to them gave he power to become children of God. Verse 13. Let me start again in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was because of God that that happened. Totally, fully because of God that that happened. We're saved because we believe that's our part. But it is all the work of God. And he gets the credit. God and God alone. I can do nothing to approach him. I can do nothing on my own to receive him. He has to put it in me to want to and to get me to that place where we can connect and I can be saved. That is God's work. My part is to be available to let him do it. So verse 14. And the word, he, him, the light, became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, be sure you understand this. this. This is important because it is so important that we understand who the real Christ is and what the Bible says about the real Christ. There are tons of false Christs out there, and there are a lot of people who have ideas about Christ and call him Christ and say that they admire him and love him, but it's not this Christ. So we've got to focus on this Christ. And so this Christ of the Bible didn't come into being... He already existed before creation. He was part of creation. He was already there. He didn't come into being. He just became flesh. Same God becoming flesh. So the eternal living word in, chap in verse 1 here of John chapter 1, that eternal living word became man. The all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-holy, all-glorious God came to earth as one of his own creations. It was like he said, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to show you all how to do this in human skin. I'm going to show you what this looks like in human skin. I'm going to show you what God can do through a person totally yielded to him. So he became man. He became flesh. And when he became flesh, he did not cease to be what he was. What was he? God. Verse 1. So he did not cease being God when he became flesh. He became flesh still as who he was, as God. So the word became man without ceasing to be God. And he dwelt on this earth among people. He walked, he talked, he ate, he slept. He did the things that people do. But the scripture literally says that he pitched his tent with us. He lived with us. He tabernacled among us. He came to be one of us and to show us what God is like, and how to live 
for him in human skin. And he came to die for our sins. The light came into the dark world of mankind. Light shining in darkness illustrates life coming to deadness. Remember what we said, that you have to have light before you have sight. I'm sorry, you have to have life before you have sight. You have to have life before you can see. And so when he says that the light came into the dark world, then he brought life too. Life is going to produce light. So eternity, when the Word became flesh, eternity, He was eternal, stepped into time. He stepped into the boundaries of time. The invisible God became visible. The God that no one could see and talk to became available. And so for the first time, man could see God and touch Him, could engage with Him, could watch Him. So the whole point of the coming of the Logos was to bring people into a loving relationship with the living God. That was His reason for coming. Well, how does one do that? Well, we learned earlier, by believing on His name. By believing, by accepting as true all that He is. By accepting as true all that he says about himself, all that the Word of God tells us about him, without taking from or adding anything to it. This and this alone. This is the standard of who he is. Who is he? Who is he? So we've talked about him as the Word. We've talked about him as life. We've talked about him as light. We've talked about him being eternal. So beginning again in verse 14, look what it says. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth are now realized through, there's His name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What's his name? What's the name of the word? Jesus Christ. Who is this Logos? Who is the word? Who is this eternal one, this creator, this light and life? Who is it? His name is Jesus Christ. That's who he is. That's his name. He was the word made flesh. John's testimony Skip on down to verse 29 for a minute. We'll peek around the corner here. John's testimony in verse 29, John, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said, There he is. That's him. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. There he is. And then down in verse 34, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. 
This is the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He was God. He existed with God before the foundation of the world, equal, looking at each other face to face. Go back up to verse 18, because this is the sum, sum of the whole thing. Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has made the invisible God known. Because they're exactly alike. They think alike. They want the same things. They have the same characters. They're alike. And so when he became flesh, he could make the invisible God visible and make God known. So that's the summary of the whole thing. So we see that the living God came to live on earth as Jesus Christ to explain himself. God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son worked together for God to enter the world and explain to the dark world what God is like, who he is, what he wants, what he can do. So God's whole thing in all of this was to make himself known. It's like his heart is begging, know me, know me, have a relationship with me. So the word is a title given to Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, at the birth of Christ, the angel said, call him Emmanuel. That's what he told Joseph and Mary. He said, call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's another affirmation, Jesus is God. Also in Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and instructed him to call the son of Mary Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So we're getting all of these names for him. The word, the life, the light. Later on in the gospel of John, he gives himself some more names when he says, I am the way, I am the truth. So he goes on and on. But Jesus was his name, his given name, because he would save his people from their sin. Christ is a title. Christ is a title that referred to the fact that he was the long-awaited king of the Jews. John chapter 1, verse 41. Let me show you this in case you need to know it and prove it. This tells us that Messiah means Christ. Look what he says. He found, his first, he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. So Messiah and Christ are titles for Jesus, who has come to save his people from their sins. When Jesus came, he gave us the whole picture. Remember, we've talked about the Word of God, what it is. It's God's love book, love letter to us so that we can know Him. We've got the Old Testament, which happened through all of those years a long time ago where God started off and continued to reveal Himself, reveal Himself, reveal Himself, offer Himself. And then for 400 years, He didn't say anything. <clears throat> and then last session, we looked at the New Testament 
where Christ had come. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But when Jesus came right there in that person, we get the whole picture of the whole book. Christ fully revealed God because he was God. Because he was God. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. For in him, that is in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Did you get that? In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead, of deity, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. He was fully God. I'm going to turn to the book of Hebrews. If you've got your Bible there, you might turn with me. <clears throat> because this kind of sums up what all we've been doing in the last three sessions and in this one. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways, that's the Old Testament, that's the bits and pieces of the Old Testament, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. See, the scriptures match up. They line up. Through whom also he made the world. And he is, he, Jesus, is the outshining or the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. If you want to know about the nature of God, then you look at Jesus. The exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Old Testament was bits and pieces where God spoke, telling us, revealing himself in many ways. Now he has spoken to us in his Son, who is the heir of all things and through whom God made the world. Without him, not anything was made that was made. John 1.1. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the outshining of God's glory. And get this part, the exact representation of his nature, exact. If you want to know what God's nature is like, you study the Gospels and the life of Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? What was his heart about? What did he do for people? What made him mad? The nature of God. And when he got done doing all that the Father had sent him to earth to do, he went back to heaven, sat down next to the Father. Majesty, the majesty on high. And that's where he lives today. And scripture tells us that he is there to pray for us all the time. To be involved with us. All the time. Now go back to chapter 1, John chapter 1 and verse 10. And let's backtrack just a little bit here. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came unto his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Now, here's what that tells me. How do I respond to him? What are possible responses to this truth? What are possible responses to this information that God has given us in his word about Jesus Christ? We're no different from these people. So I can respond here one of three ways. Number one, I may be in that category of people who do not know him but you can know him. You can choose to know him. Maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you need to seek him and find him, and you will find him in this book. You will find him in this book. But then there was that group of people that said, I do not and will not receive him. I know, but I don't want that. I don't want a relationship with him. I don't want to receive him. And then there is group three, where I can say, I can receive him. I do receive him. I do believe what God's word tells me about him. I count it as truth. I'm going to walk in that truth. See, truth is going, what I believe is going to show up in my behavior. And so I can believe what God word, God's word tells me about him. I can believe all that it says about him. That's what it is to believe on his name. I believe all that he says about himself in this book. And I can believe what God tells me about him. And when I do that, I can be called a child of God. It's what it is to be born again, born into the kingdom. How do I get there? by receiving the Son. This is the Bible. This is God's written word to us. It is full of the Spirit of God so that it acts in our hearts as if it is alive because the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it alive. That's for another, a lesson for another day. But what happened was Jesus said, you know what? God said, you know what? This is all written down, but I'm going to go to earth on a rescue mission. And I'm going to show this dark, lost world, this world that is lifeless and blind, that the light has come. And this book became flesh to show us what God is like and to show us how to live as a child of God. It tells us what I need to do to spend eternity in heaven with him. So you've got three choices. You can not know him. You can know but not receive. Or you can believe in his name and let him make you a child of God and change your life.
pray that if you don't know him already, that that's what you'll do. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God bless you.